Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we are live with the Standing Room Spartans podcast. I am Kevin. He is Scott. And we are two days after Michigan State football. This is our first recap of the season. Finally, 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 I got some MSU football on my TV. Uh, a lot to talk about. I, I sent a tweet out like right after. I don't even think the game was over yet. And I tagged you, Scott. I was like, there's no way we're keeping this episode under an hour because there's so much that there is to talk about. So uh, you listening at home, or I guess wherever you are, coming out of this Labor Day weekend, um, you can see if we uh, if we held to that or not. But Scott, I know you were uh, you had a unique watching experience. Uh, so how was your weekend? It's not quite finished for you yet. It is for me, but... Uh, how was the weekend? How was the viewing experience? Where are we going? The weekend was great. Camping was great. The viewing experience, I would call it suboptimal, but I was still very much glad to have it. I uh, commandeered my wife's phone because she had service and I did not. Um, she willingly subjected herself to watching me hold our her phone for three hours on a campsite <laughs> so I willingly. could watch the game. Um, she was just investing in, in the relationship. We'll put it that way. <laughs> um, no, it was good. I mean, football's back. How can you complain? Right. I don't care if I was watching it. Uh, I don't know. You pick a bad situation. Uh, I'll take it. Well, so, and it was, yeah, I love having the Friday night kickoff too, because you watch the game and then all of when Saturday rolls around, you're just, you're like a pure machine of happiness sitting down on your couch, football all day, scrolling between the channels, and no stress whatsoever about like, oh, I'm waiting for my team. How are we gonna look? How's the you know, how's the depth chart gonna shake out? Like all of that's already done. My team is one and oh, and I just get to watch college football. And there was a lot of great games, there was a lot of not great games. Uh, I watched a ton of them. The ones that I haven't, that I didn't watch live, I watched all the highlights on YouTube. Like I just went down the whole college football rabbit hole this weekend, and uh, it was great, man. Absolutely great. I did miss the couch potato channel flipping on Saturday, and I, I felt it. I was having fun though, so can't complain. Uh, next weekend will be my real indoctrination into this college football season. Well, and next weekend you got NFL kicking off too, so you get the whole oh, weekend, man. right? <laughs> I should probably plan to uh, buy my wife something. Something, definitely something. Yeah, it was um, no. So, I mean, we have so much to get to for the Michigan State game. Obviously, if if you watched even five minutes of that game, you know that there was between depth chart stuff, injury stuff. Um, players who played very well, players who didn't play very well. There is so much to talk about. Um, we are recording this for timestamp purposes while Mel Tucker is talking. And do we want to rip the Band-Aid off, Scott? Yeah, I don't want to 
I don't want to talk about it. Okay. So let's just get it over with. We're going to rip the Band-Aid off. Um, if you're listening to this, you've probably seen it by now. It happened about five minutes ago, real time. Uh, Mel Tucker announced that Darius Snow is out for the year. So I don't want to speculate on what it would be, what it could be, but it's obviously something serious, and it sucks, dude. It It could not happen to a less deserving guy. I mean, everything you know and hear and read and and see about Darius Snow is he is just an absolute dog on the field and a complete class act off the field. Um, it just sucks, man. Week one, you put in all this work, all through this winter conditioning, spring practice, summer conditioning, fall camp, you finally get around, you're changed your position. You've probably done a lot to change your body to fit, you know, the linebacker position. And it all just goes down the drain in a second. And that just sucks, man. I, I feel so bad for Darius Snow. Uh, obviously we're, we're wishing him well in his recovery, but, uh, we're going to have to find that, figure out how to fix that spot, uh, fill his whole you know, leadership wise, plus just on the field play, it's going to be really hard to do. Um, you, you hate week one injuries. Do you hate injuries, but you really hate week one injuries. Yeah. And I, I wouldn't wish an injury on, on anyone. And I'm not even going to say I'd rather trade an injury for this guy. So he could be healthy. Like I don't want anyone to get injured, but I'd trade my ACL for him. <laughs> I know. Go th- I, <laughs> was probably at least on the defensive side of the ball as excited, probably more excited to watch Darius snow than anyone this season because of a, he was playing a new position that was intriguing with his skill set. but B he's just, he's a guy that you gravitate towards. You know, you can tell he works really hard. He's really humble. You know, he's, he's funny and likable and he, he's just a great football player and a difference maker on the field and to lose him it was i was expecting him at least by midseason to be a leader relatively consistent captain on this team you know they do the weekly captains um it's just it's a blow i mean he is he's a junior right and in that linebacker position we have some transfers that are a little older and then we've got some homegrown talent that's a little bit younger but Darius Snow is the only is the <sighs> he had a unique combination of experience at Michigan state that he was bringing to that room that I think it just sucks. It sucks to lose it. It sucks to lose a guy like him and it opens up a, a big question mark at that position. And we'll get into, I think Ben Van Summeren has some shown some promise and we're going to need some other guys to step up. We'll obviously get into personnel, but just if you were to ask me if I, to pick one defensive player, I didn't want to lose to injury this season, I would have picked Darius Snow. So this, it sucks. It's a huge heap of adversity. I guess it's good that we'll have a tune-up game to get uh, the other guys kind of comfortable, get their heads around this idea, get them comfortable playing meaningful football. But uh, man, it that's a blow. Yeah, and the other injury was obviously Xavier Henderson that people were keeping an eye on. And the word from Mel Tucker is that he is sore and that he'll be ready when he's ready. So at least a good sign in that there isn't anything declarative about he will be out for a long time. Um, Scott and I were talking before, don't want to speculate on injuries, but it kind of sounds like week to week ish. And, you know, we'll see how that progresses, but hopefully, you know, by the time big 10 play starts up you know he's kind of uh back to 100 percent and ready to go um because you know we just talked about darius snow's leadership and and mentality and and talent you you really would have a hard time losing both of those guys for us like for a long time and and piling up some wins during that time so with that out of the way we wanted to rip the band-aid off because we just got that news and we didn't really to it so um i guess we'll we'll kind of move on from there basically how we're going to set up these episodes um at least today and moving forward is we will talk about the offense 
We'll talk about the defense. We'll talk about the special teams, all the good, bad, ugly that comes with it. Um, kind of talk some overall big picture kind of stuff. We'll give out our play of the game. We'll give out our game ball like we did last year. Um, so that's that's kind of how this will look moving forward. Um, again, I did put out uh, a call on Facebook, and we're going to continue doing this throughout the season of asking you for the game. You know, why will Michigan State win or lose? We shared some of those, um, you know, before the podcast, and we'll put out something after the game. Uh, why did we win? Why did we lose? Uh, hopefully, far less often. Uh, so I put out that call on Facebook. I'll read a couple of these off. We had uh, Nancy Fisher. She said, I think our group of transfer players is better than the ones we got last year, with Walker being the exception. Widman was awesome. Um, so, I guess quantity over quality in a certain sense there. Uh, Scott DeSander, he had a long message here. Because we, why did we win? Because only tried one field goal. <laughs> we'll get to that. Uh, Horst and Mosley coming in helped. Uh, Winman had four sacks. Tucker started a lot of backup close. That's an interesting take. Uh, Berger looked good. They lost the loss of snow and Xavier was the big story. Barker played a good game. Uh, let's see a lot of other stuff here. Um, James Bannon, we'll read one more here. He's I thought Baldwin did well as the game went along. The young guys on the offensive line played better as the game went on. Winman was fantastic getting the shoulder dip and beating his man. He was a beast coming off the edge much quicker than I thought he was. So we'll do that a lot more throughout the season for every week. If you are not a part of the Facebook group, Standing Room Spartans Community, uh, you can find that in the episode notes of every episode. There's a link to it. So you can join the group um, and... ahead of us nfl is kicking off on thursday uh we've got obviously a full slate of college football again and DraftKings, an official sports betting partner of the nfl is giving new customers a can't miss offer to celebrate the return of the nfl season right now new customers can bet just five dollars and get two hundred dollars in free bets instantly and as an added bonus for week one everyone can experience the thrill of DraftKings' early win promotion it is very simple Bet on an NFL team to win. If your team leads by 10 at any point during the game, you get paid instantly, even if that team loses. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code TPPN for the Pigskin Podcast Network, of which we're a proud member, to get $200 in free bets instantly when you place a $5 bet this Sunday. That's code TPPN. Only a DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Um, so let's go to the offense here, Scott. Uh, is there anywhere that you really want to start as far as storylines uh, on the offensive side of the ball coming out of week one? Well, let's start with the biggest story of the week, Peyton Thorne, uh, on the offensive side coming into this game. Obviously, the extracurricular storyline with his dad being uh, in the press box on the uh, other side and um, his whole family in attendance. And obviously just his first game as really the centerpiece of this offense um, without number nine lined up behind him next to him. Um, how was he going to look? How was he going to carry this offense? And it was a mixed bag. Uh, I think you saw a little bit of everything Peyton Thorne's got in his game uh, for better or for worse in this one, you know, he started with some jittery overthrows, really the whole first quarter. He was slinging it a little too hard, just too excited to show his dad what he's got um, and show, show this team and the fan base, what they're in for this season. And we, we know he has it right. Because a, we saw it later in this game. B we saw it all last season. He can hit those deeper shots. He just missed a couple early, um, which whatever, you know, you can chalk that up. Um, his interception was a classic mistake by quarterbacks and it's one that he should be mature enough to avoid. But again, week one overzealous trying to make plays uh, perfect time to just have a gentle reminder in a game that was well in hand that, Hey, 
you can't throw the ball over the middle late. It doesn't matter who you're playing. It doesn't matter who your wide receiver is. It doesn't matter who you are. You just, you cannot make those throws. Um, Especially because, across your body, running yeah. to the left, Patrick Mahomes style. Yeah, so we <laughs> that's one we said this before we started recording. Jay Johnson brings that one up in the in the film room. He shows it once. They make eye contact. They share a look of understanding, and you move on. You don't got to coach that. Peyton knows what he did wrong, uh, and we won't see that throw again this season. I'll put money on that. Um, yeah, and, but, and Tucker talked right after the in the press conference today too about you know Peyton Thorne said himself that he was disappointed in the performance and and Tucker said you know he's he's not surprised by that because Thorne is a perfectionist and you know he he knows he knows what he did yeah so overall I mean it's like a C plus game for, for Thorne. His receivers made him look a little better at times. His, his receivers could have made him look a little better at times. Um, 12 for 24, not the completion percent you're looking for. It's hard to believe we scored 35 points with 12 completions. Um, if you look at who he was throwing the ball to the wide receivers made the most of their chances, right? I mean, obviously four touchdowns, touchdown catches from four different receivers, um, all pretty exceptional plays and uh, Jaden Reed didn't get that same opportunity with a touchdown, but continued to do a little bit of what he's, he's done all last season. Uh, Didn't look a hundred percent to me. I don't know. I mean, I know he had that one grimace and he kind of limped off the field and he came back later, but just overall didn't look like he quite had the, the same edge we're used to. And we've heard things this fall about him being banged up in camp. So I think it looks like that's, leaking into the season a little bit hopefully it's a short-term thing right it would i think we have plenty of talent to to make up for that loss for the most part in the wide receiver room but you know potential all-american aspirations for Jaden reed you'd certainly want him uh healthy sooner than later yeah and and i want to go back to thorn real quick because i have a couple numbers that are really interesting because they carry over a trend that was um you know looked a lot Looked a lot like last year. So Peyton Thorne on play action on Friday night was 7 for 11, 162 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Very good, very good numbers. No play action, 5 for 13, 71 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. So your completion percentage went from 64% to 39% on two fewer attempts uh, on, on play action, 90 less yards. He had the interception. The other interesting point here, and this is pretty intuitive. Usually when you're running play action, you're taking a deep shot more often than not. Uh, on play action, 15 yards per attempt. Without play action, five and a half. Um, that's positive in the sense that like on play action, this guy is deadly, right? He, he really has a good understanding of what they're trying to do in those concepts, but it is a little bit troubling because there were similar numbers last year, all, all through the season. And, uh, you know, you, you start getting worked up in like storylines that happen, in a in a one game sample size and you think oh, okay you know this this was a mac game it was week 1 but when they follow the same trend from an entire season it's it's interesting it's something to keep an eye on um so i wanted to to make that known with Peyton Thorne as well but uh, all in all you know i think i summed it up on twitter that it was like a really good bad game I don't think it was a good game by Peyton Thorne. I think it would be classified as a bad game if you had to be black and white about it. But he threw four touchdowns. You know, like it's it's a pretty good game as far as bad games are concerned. So I'm I'm not really too concerned about Thorne moving forward. There was a lot of, you know, dads on the other sideline. It's week one. You got a lot of just weird energy, nerves, juju that you don't typically have for a game. Um, I think some of those mistakes will be cleaned up. A lot of you mentioned the early stuff. He he airmailed a few throws. I just think there was a lot of external factors that that factored into that. The passing game as a whole, though, 
I mean, you got to be excited. You mentioned Jaden Reed, Keon Coleman, dude. It, Keon Coleman, quote unquote, broke out, right? I mean, you have four catches, 84 yards, and a touchdown. Two of those being contested catches that, what was the quote from Coleman? Somebody asked him in the offseason about, you know, what do you, what's your mentality on 50 50 balls or whatever? And he basically just said, like, yeah, those are. Those are a hundred zero or seventy third. I forgot said, what the number. He said, "If I think he said when Keon's on the end, it's a it's ninety percent of the time he's coming down. He likes to refer to himself in third person, which <laughs> yeah, I like. That. I love. <laughs> That's um, a receiver thing. Yeah, yeah the, so, it's and it it came true, right? It it looks like a ninety ten ball when you throw it up to Coleman. We were just saying like it's it it looks like he just totally disregards the defender that is going up with him. Like, he just doesn't even bother acknowledging that there is a defender who is also jumping for the same football. It's uh, it's pretty impressive. So if Coleman is what we saw on Friday, and in theory, he's only going to get better as he gets more comfortable. He only played like 50 snaps last year. As he gets more comfortable, this could be a pretty deadly wide receiver group with Jaden Reed, the proven commodity with Keon Coleman, the the breakout star with Trey Mosley. You know what you're going to get from the slot, a really good route runner, a really good receiver who catches everything. And then Jeremy Bernard emerging on five snaps. One of those five went for a 44 yard touchdown where he slips a tackle. This is a really exciting receiver group. Yeah. I mean, we talked about it all season or all off season that, this wide receiver group was the class of the team that they were the best position group on the roster. And it's clearly true. Um, And you add in Daniel Barker, who seemed to be at least to start more of just a pass catching package guy, but certainly doing a good job of it. Obviously he had the touchdown catch um, snatching the ball out of the air. Like in the fly. And the handoffs, which was interesting, like lined up in the backfield taking handoffs. That that was not what I <laughs> saw coming with the. Yeah, so as long as as Peyton Thorne can uh, continue to, I, I wouldn't say improve because we've seen it from him, but play better, imp- improve this season, improve on that performance. I think we have a lot to look forward to. I also think because Peyton Thorne's strength is in play action. A lot of our success this season will hinge on the success of the running game because we were running pretty successfully. And we'll get to that in a sec. We were running pretty successfully last night, not last night, Friday night. And you could see on those play action, you would get seven, eight, nine defenders sucked up into the box. So then you just got one on ones for these wide receivers that are at least in the top two wide receiver groups in the big 10. I, I, I honestly think it's us in Ohio state and in, in those top two slots for wide receivers in the conference. So you get those guys one-on-one with most secondaries and you got a good chance to make some big plays. Yeah. You mentioned the run game. We'll go there. I, I'm really excited by what we saw. I wish that you look at the final numbers. We had 32 rushing attempts to 24, passing attempts now a couple of those rushing attempts were Peyton Thorne scrambles um that were pass plays called and one Um, sack it did take one sack as well which is a pass play right so so you don't mind that as a general game script you're you're pretty close to 50 50 there but with the way the game was going I would have liked to see Jay Johnson be a little bit more patient with the run game It, it felt like he really wanted to get Thorne going. I think he he kind of felt what we all felt with Thorne, that he was, you know, a little off, a little jittery, and maybe there were just certain plays that Jay Johnson was like, you know what, I know Peyton likes this play. This is one he's really comfortable with. Maybe if we call this one, he'll start getting into a rhythm. And it just never really happened. I wish we would have just kind of gone to the run game a little bit more because Berger was ripping off seven and a half yards a carry. Broussard was over five yards a carry. And I just kind of wish in a neutral game script that we would have gone to that a little more often. 
but I did like what we saw there. I, Berger just has a nice feel for the position, doesn't he? He just whether it's whether you want to classify it as vision or footwork or what, he just has a nice feel for it. And Broussard is a little bit more explosive. You know, he's got that kind of snap the finger and he's off to the races right from the first step um, when he touches the ball. So I think between those two, you've got a real nice one-two punch. And it it really seems like it's just those two. Um, we're not, we didn't see any of Collins. We didn't see any of Simmons. There were like four snaps of Joyner, but he didn't touch the ball. It's it's a two-man show. And, and I kind of like the two men that we've got running that show. Yeah, Broussard was limited earlier in the game um, and Berger was doing pretty well. And then Broussard came in late and really flashed, in my opinion. I mean, he didn't have any huge chunk plays, um, but I was impressed by his quickness, his ability to switch holes um, and and his power, you know, and we've seen it on his tape a little bit that he's a little more powerful than his stature would lead you to believe. But I mean, he was pushing piles single handedly in the carries that he had for an extra three, four yards of carry um, from your technically your scat back. So uh, really impressed by both of them. I think we're going to see more of them. I think more of the commentary for the running game revolves around this offensive line. A lot of new pieces. We thought we would have one new face, two new, one to two new faces between Spencer Brown, if you want to call him new and, and, uh, Brian Green, depending on whether he got the start. If you had Brandon Baldwin getting the first start at left tackle on your bingo board, then congratulations, you just won. Out of nowhere. I mean, we we heard a little bit of chatter in fall camp that, you know, Baldwin and um, Boyd were, were starting to come on. We're like, okay, good. You know, we could get a little depth. We need tackle depth. Brandon Baldwin... I noticed a couple plays where he looked a little bit shaky, but by and large, really good game. I mean, we let, we, we gave up one sack Western Michigan doesn't have an elite pass rush, but still one sack. Um, our running backs both averaged over five yards of carry all in all this offensive line did what we needed them to do uh, to, to put the team in a position to win. And uh, I really, I didn't have many negatives on my, on my game notes at all for this offensive line. I don't know if you caught anything I missed. There were, I mean, there were a couple plays here and there that I know, you know, somebody got beat, somebody clearly, you know, missed their guy in pass protection, somebody, but I think part of that is you're not going to play a perfect game as an offensive lineman. It's nearly impossible and Western was bringing a lot of different blitz packages. And in a week one where you have a new group together and you're just going to kind of have to work out some kinks a little bit. And I, I thought all in all, they played pretty well. Uh, Spencer Brown played every snap. Nick Samick played every snap. And then the other four or the other five, I should say, were um, kind of in and out of, uh, to a certain extent. But overall, yeah, I think a, a good good performance that you know i think the most important piece is now with with baldwin starting you have one depth player at tackle in Jarrett horst and one depth player uh between carrick and green it looks like carrick is kind of the guy and brian green is more of the backup swing guy but you have one interior and one tackle that you feel good about filling in if you know if a starter were to go down or something so that makes me feel a lot more comfortable than where we were you know two weeks ago but uh, all in all i think a, a, a pretty good performance there by the offensive line something to feel optimistic about at least moving forward which is more than i would have said two weeks ago right offensive line was one of the biggest kind of worrying question marks and thought they played well against you know a, a mac team you know, don't get too excited about it. But again, a Mac team that brought a lot of really creative blitzes and did a lot up front to try to confuse you all in all, you handled it pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. And the last spot on offense, the, the tight ends fascinating group, um, really not dead on even, but pretty even hunt had 34 snaps. Carr had 26 snaps. Barker had 19 snaps. If you were to ask me which one had the biggest impact, I'd probably put it backwards. Barker seemed to be 
the flashier one more featured in the passing game. Carr was out there making a couple plays and Hunt surprised both of us with his snap count. But when you go back and watch the game, he was in there a lot. I felt like we had more two tight end pack looks than we saw most of last season. Uh, there were quite a few plays in 21 personnel with two tight ends out there. And it was a mixed bag with all three of those guys. It wasn't like this guy was always out there. And then the other two kind of bounced back and forth. It was whether we were in one or two tight end packages, it was a pretty steady rotation of all three of those guys. So I think that pecking order still certainly kind of fleshing itself out. Um, could be that Daniel Barker still getting comfortable with some of the more nuanced packages, um, especially in the blocking Malik Carr looked Definitely improved in blocking. Um, any general takeaways from the tight ends? No, you got three guys who are all a little bit different and they'll all have their kind of packages. And I, I think, like you said, you you would kind of be surprised coming out of it to know that Barker was third out of those three in snaps, but it's because it seemed like when he was in the game, he was a feature, right? It's There's certain formations there's certain play calls that you know they have noted in the playbook of like okay barker is comfortable in this let's get him out and it's it happens to be a play that features the tight end you know he it seemed like for only 19 snaps he probably had like five six targets two rushing attempts so he'll get more comfortable i think that snap count will go up throughout the year as i do think he is probably the best of the three when it when you kind of combine experience and talent and pass catching and run blocking so I think you'll you'll expect to see more and more of him as the year goes on and he gets a bit more comfortable but uh that that was a big takeaway with me for Carr is he he did look a lot better than last year he did blocking looked a little like a step slower than last year a little heavier feet than last year and maybe that's you know, coaching staff, the the focus point on him was we got to get you better in blocking game. We got to get you stronger. And he was hitting the weight room like a maniac, but just kind of neglected the the footwork, the agility drills. I don't know. But he did look a little step slower. The, the feet looked a couple pounds heavier than they did last year. Yeah, but by and large, um, a supplementary group at tight end. I thought they blocked relatively well. Um between the three of them, you have a pretty complete group uh, in terms of what we're going to ask our tight ends to do in this offense. So um, all in all, offensive takeaways, um, it felt like we hardly had the ball and we were we did have 15 minutes less time of possession than Western Michigan. There were a few different reasons, I think, playing into that. We scored quickly. There were a couple of turnovers um, and we had a couple three and outs and Western had some longer sustained drives, but it just felt like we hardly had the ball when we did have the ball. Most of it was good when it wasn't good. It was really bad. Um, we should mention burgers fumble. Personally, I thought his knee was down and they didn't give it enough time to look at uh, whether it was or not. Either way, kind of fluky need to hold on to the ball. Good coaching moment. Certainly don't want to see that later in games. And I'm sure burger will have two hands on the ball next time we see him in a situation like that, but offense, um, Room to improve, but generally a solid first game. Yeah, I think there's there's some real potential there. But uh, before we move over to the defense, uh, Scott, I got a new job recently, and I've been listening to a lot more music during work than I was in my previous job, which is nice. Um, I've been listening to a lot of Metallica recently. Don't know why, but it's just been kind of that vibe. Uh, but one of the great reasons that I listen to my Metallica. It's because I use my Raycon wireless earbuds to do it. Raycon's everyday earbuds look, feel, and sound better than ever with optimized gel tips for the perfect in-ear fit. The They're very comfortable. They will not budge. Trust me on that. Raycon gives you eight hours of playtime, 32 hours of battery life, and you will get that quality quality audio at half the price of other premium audio brands it's no wonder raycon's everyday earbuds have over 50,000 five-star reviews they've got customizable sound profiles they've got noise isolation they've got uh you can tap on the earbuds uh, and 
kind of put play with some different functions there. They've got everything you need. Go to buyraycon.com slash TPPN today. Get 15% off your Raycon order. That's buyraycon.com slash TPPN. Score 15% off buyraycon.com slash TPPN. Let's move over to the defense, Scott. Um, I think there was a lot to move from here, but let's start with the obvious. Jacoby Winman is an absolute menace is the best way that I could describe it coming off the edge. He was in the backfield. It seemed like every passing snap, he was either getting a sack or causing a snap or or causing a sack or causing a pressure. There was nothing that poor left tackle could do to, to even slow him down. It was, it was impressive. Apparently, according to Mel Tucker's press conference actively going on right now, they asked Jacoby Winman to play defensive end like a couple weeks ago, which is why we didn't get any news the whole offseason that he was going to be at defensive line because they didn't even know it until a couple weeks ago. Obviously, he has some defensive line experience from UNLV, which I know we've talked about before, but um, wow. I mean, I talked about it. You were on the Brule train and Aaron Brule did have a sack and only, I think, seven snaps. So he certainly made the most of his time out there uh, nine snaps um, as well. But Jacoby Winman starting strong side defensive end out of nowhere. And yeah, I mean, Walter Camp defensive player of the week, his first game at Michigan State. That is a hell of a way to announce yourself. I'm not saying Jacoby Winman is the defensive Kenneth Walker for this team. But reminiscent of Kenneth Walker winning the Walter Camp Offensive Player of the Week (laughs) Award week one last year, his first game in green and white. Certainly plenty to look forward to with Jacoby Windman. Side note, every time the commentator said his name, the the, uh, play-by-play guy, it just sounded like he said women, which was bizarre, but uh, that's something he can work on. Uh, Jacoby Windman, that shoulder dip, that left shoulder dip, is it was unstoppable. And by the end of the game, it looked effortless. Uh, it looked like that left tackle was just punching air every time Winman was going around the outside of him. Um, he had some more moves mixed in as well. They even tried to double him and he got through both of them with two different moves without stopping his momentum. Um, yeah. I mean, psyched to watch this guy. I don't know what more we can say. He had four sacks. Technically it was three sacks and two half sacks because Chester Kimbrough came in and just, finished off the sack with him twice. and i think really they missed fun. a half sack i think it was four and a half and one count. of those was a forced fumble and aaron brulee's sack happened because winman whiffed on a strip sack which easily could have been a sack he just went for the strip instead of racking him up wrapping him up so absolutely terrorized that bronco offensive line um and the commentators mentioned it the ability to not have to blitz to generate pressure is something that at times we lacked last season. Um, and it makes a huge difference for defenses. Um, it's obvious why, but if we can consistently have that pressure throughout this season, I think that it more than anything we could do in the secondary is going to help us get off the field and help us in defending the pass this season compared to last. Yeah, it's. I mean, that's the most exciting edge guy. I guess Kenny Willickis, Shalik Calhoun, like we've got some guys, but they were very different rushers. And uh, and and this is just it was fun to watch, man. It was it was a joy. And so if if that continues, that's going to be a lot of fun across the rest of the defensive line. I mean, Jacob Slade, Simeon Barrow, they they took care of business in the middle. Derek Harmon and Maverick Hansen came in for 31 snaps apiece. No Hunt, no Mallory. I guess neither of them were dressed. So that'll be interesting to monitor that that defensive tackle rotation as the year goes on. On the outside, obviously, you saw a lot of Winman and Petrovsky. That was that was primarily the edge group with both of those guys playing like a stand-up edge which was you know it looked great uh aesthetically and it it worked out pretty well as well um 
Chris Bogle, 28 snaps. Brandon Wright, 18 snaps. Avery Dunn, 14 snaps. Uh, Zion Young with five snaps. They rotated those guys in and out quite a bit. They moved them around. They they tried out a lot of different things. Um, Brule, you mentioned him. He lined up off the edge quite a few times there as well. So I, I think there's a really exciting general rotation on the interior and on the edge. The The pass rushing is going to be incredible this year. It's going to be a lot better than last year. And I think last year we led the Big Ten in sacks. Um, I don't want to say that number was fluky, but I think there were a lot of effort sacks last year. I think this year there's going to be a lot of just our guy beat him and and got to the quarterback in two seconds. And it was just flat out. There was nothing they could do rather than, you know, good coverage or whatever quarterbacks hanging onto the ball a little too long. He tries to roll out and, you know, he runs into uh Panishuk's arms or something. I think this year it's a little more dynamic than that. The one thing I'm worried about uh, is the edge group when it comes to that kind of power run game on the outside, any kind of outside zone, that stuff worries me a little bit because Western ripped off a couple nice runs in that, and you don't have, we talked about this all offseason, we were worried about it, uh, between Winman, Petrovsky, Bogle, Wright, you don't have like a, a prototype strong side edge setting defensive end. And so that outside run game might be a little more available than we would like when it comes to playing a Michigan, when it comes to playing a Wisconsin that's where I'm a little concerned, but when it comes to the pass rush, this D line is going to be causing problems. Yeah, there were a couple of plays where Winman, as the edge on the play side, got washed down and uh, just failed to set the edge, including you know that that big run Western had, not the QB draw, but the actual running back uh, chunk play. Um, but yeah, I mean, pass rush, I think we're set. We even have gadget guys that didn't make an impact that we know can. Uh, Justin White came in, forced a pressure. Brandon Wright was in there wreaking a bit of havoc. Chris Bogle had a sack. Um, one thing that really stuck out to me across the whole team, but especially on defense, everyone looked way bigger. Like, oh, yeah. Way bigger. Jason Novak uh, was doing work in that weight room, dude. <laughs> we know Brandon Wright was getting bigger. Darius Snow looked real big. Chris Bogle, you know, I remember watching his Florida tape when he announced his transfer to Michigan State, and I was like, ah, you know, this guy's got some quickness. He's got, but he's like, he's small. You know, he's kind of lanky. He's kind of sticky. Dude looks big. Zion Young, huge. Um, all these guys. So obviously, getting their money's worth in the weight room but didn't sacrifice speed. If we move back to the linebackers and, and talk about setting an edge, Ben Van Summeren, they've talked this off season about his speed and his strength. Whoa. I mean, what a story kind of the Connor Hayward enters the transfer portal, comes back out, finds himself in the potential starting role. He started over Cal Halliday. Talk about depth chart surprises and both sidelines. If he flashed, you know, racing, relatively Sean Tyler's not a slow running back racing him to the sideline and easily beating him there. Uh, the quarterback was trying to get to the outside and had, he was actually ahead of um, Van Summeren on one play scrambling and Van Summeren caught him so much. He slid while he was in front of Van Summeren. So uh, making plays already. Uh, there was a couple interior running plays that he didn't look perfect on. Um, but that sideline to sideline linebacker speed was something we were clearly missing last season. And at, for the first half, while snow was in there, that group snow and Van Summeren looked deadly sideline to sideline, obviously you lose a little bit of that with Darius snow. Uh, but Cal Halliday is also a very known factor. So I expect much better linebacker play this season, even with the, uh, the injury to Darius snow. And, and you called it without, knowing that you called it with Van Sumeren because I don't know if you noticed this, he took off the neck roll. And so you, you mentioned uh, Drop a parachute. Couple, you mentioned this a couple of weeks ago on the podcast that it's kind of like a little parachute and uh, it's not, uh, 
it's not very efficient in terms of what's what's the word I'm looking for the uh, you know they design the cars around um, aerodynamic aerodynamics that's the word I'm looking for he wasn't he wasn't very aerodynamic last year it takes the neck roll off and all of a sudden you know drops like three tenths of a second off his 40 so 10 extra no, horsepower he, now <laughs> yeah he looked great no he he looked a lot better than I I would have expected when I saw him out there early. I wasn't terribly surprised because the staff had hinted and hinted and hinted at it that it wasn't shocking to see him play as much as he did, but he looked a lot better than I thought he would look. So uh, props to Van Sumer. And like you said, there were some mistakes there, but I think a large part of it is just getting comfortable playing live bullets, playing, you know, not the same scout team offense every day. And uh, as the season goes on, I expect him to get a lot more comfortable in his role and, and his uh, run fits and, and his gaps, and, and he'll get this stuff figured out. So I, I think that was, uh, that was a fun development there with, with Van Sumeren and, and Halliday. I think you have a, a pretty fun group with Brule rotating in and, and mixing in his very different skill set than those two guys. Um, it it sucks to lose Darius Snow, but uh, I think yeah, at I, linebacker, we we have enough depth now that if we're going to lose a guy, it's it's um it's one of the positions that I think you might be able to afford it uh, from a team perspective. So, speaking on the versatility of the linebackers, while Snow was still in the picture, there were a few plays against twenty one personnel, some of the heavier packages for Western where we had three linebackers. We had Van Summeren and Halliday in the box, and we had uh, Snow in the slot. Yep. One of the Kind of one of the looks we thought we might see this year with Snow coming down to linebacker, and I'm so frustrated that we're not going to see that come to its full potential this season because it was such an exciting look to have that group out there together. Um, and we're going to ask someone to do that, right? The staff has shown that when somebody goes down, the next guy is going to be asked to do the same thing until they show that they can't do it. Uh, whether that's Brule or somebody else down the depth chart will be interesting. Brule did have nine uh, snaps, but only four as kind of a traditional linebacker, either in the box or in the slot. Five of those were kind of stand-up defensive line reps. So it'll be interesting to see if he fills in as a field linebacker or if somebody else further down the depth chart kind of grabs those uh those snaps but i mean at this point i'd, I'd expect van summer and halliday to get as many snaps as they can handle yeah and, and to the go to the defensive backs as a whole i was encouraged after you know we know what happened last year i think all in all the group looked a lot more comfortable there weren't as many blown coverages you know, as we had last year with guys just completely missing assignments and missing responsibilities, you had the starting group out there with Brantley and speed on the outside and corners and Chester Kimbrough in the slot. They, those three played pretty much the whole game and, and played pretty well, uh, in my opinion, at least the safety group, it got a little weird because obviously Xavier Henderson came out about midway through the game and Angelo Gross played every snap, but then you had Kendall Brooks come in. You had Jaden Mangum come in. You're, I don't know if we're going to see some guys against Akron that, you know, an AJ Kirk, maybe, you know, I think we'll probably try to find another guy there that we can fill in for depth purposes if need be. But I I come out of this game feeling pretty good about the secondary. I, I think again, you know, individually there are talented pieces there. And it was just a matter of kind of figuring out this scheme and figuring out everybody's uh roles and responsibilities. And, you know, it took us a season to figure out that Chester Kimbrough is not meant to be an outside corner. He looked much more comfortable in the slot as a development from last year, you know, and at the end of the day, their quarterback threw for 58% on five yards an attempt. Like that is for a quarterback statistical standpoint, that's not good. 
And so I, I think large credit goes to the defensive backs who had to deal with a lot of adversity and filling in for their leader. You know, not only maybe the best player of the secondary, like talent wise, but we know that Xavier Henderson, I think he came into this game with like 34 consecutive starts. I mean, that was the guy setting everybody up, making sure everybody's in the right position, making sure everybody knows their roles, um, putting guys in the right positions when they, he notices that they're out of position and losing that midway through the game and and having to put a true freshman in there and Mangum. Like, I think they, they dealt with all of that pretty well, considering the circumstances. So I, I give a lot of credit to these defensive backs. Yeah, I was... I was impressed as well. The outside corners, I think they picked on Brantley a little bit more. Um, and we're starting to see some different looks on defense. It's not just straight up cover three with the outside corners dropping every play. Yeah. You saw a little bit of mix where speed would drop into a, like a cover two or, or even a cover six look. And uh, Brantley would be in man on the opposite side. Brantley had two or three plays where he got a little behind in man coverage and just couldn't catch up, but he had safety to help over the top. So nothing that, that really got out of control, but by and large um, good game for both of them speed. They really hardly tried to go his way at all, um, which is obviously a good thing. The one thing he looks the part, man, (laughs) Amir speed looks the part. That's for sure. He had that one boneheaded uh, hit. I would hardly fall on, um, the quarterback. Oh, that quarterback. Was, <laughs> I mean, he that made was just so enough contact to draw the flag. Like, it was, it was soft, but like the ref, it was, it was a 50, 50 call. It just didn't go our way, but he could refs make off. it sound refs, make it sound so easy to just stop your momentum on a dime and completely avoid touching the quarterback. Like, you're at the point now where when a guy does, I mean, Amir Speed, he completely stopped his momentum and just kind of like fell a little bit towards it. It clearly wasn't like a, you know, the quote unquote launching, but it clearly wasn't even him trying to tackle him. Like he, yeah. he recognized the slide, he pulled back, but there's only so much you can do. I mean, it, you're not going to be able to play, you know, have you ever watched those on ESPN? They have like the, the world tag championships and no. these guys are contorting their bodies to avoid touching, you know, the other per- like it's impossible to completely stop your momentum and contort your body in a way that you don't even touch the quarterback. And it seems like that's what they're expecting you to do now. And it's just ridiculous. You're going to keep seeing these calls. Um, that's just a, an struck a nerve run. with that one. I did. It's annoying. <laughs> like um, it didn't affect the outcome of this game, but it might affect the outcome of another right. game. And it's just, it's already pissing me off. Uh, Kimbrough looked more like a Chaz and less like a Chester um, <laughs> on Friday night. He, he showed a little dog in him. I think last year, maybe he was a little too lost to, to really bring that out. He looked, he probably was playing with as much confidence as anyone certainly in the secondary, if not on that defense, to the point that Mel Tucker, I think, had to have a few words with him like, hey, man, I like your edge, but keep it under control because every time that ball got in the general uh, atmosphere of, of Kimbrough, he was he was letting the the, uh, the Broncos hear it. So I think he played a great game. He, it was not a perfect game, but a great game. He made a lot of plays. He didn't make a lot of mistakes. He tackled well. He came up to the line of scrimmage and supported the run game and even the pass rush really well. So I think maybe we found a guy we can expect not only to play um, neutral football, but to play winning football and start to actually be a playmaker there, which is huge. I mean, last year that that position was a challenge. You know, a lot of different guys tried to fill those shoes and nobody really seemed to be a perfect fit. Um, Kimbrough definitely seems to be making it his own uh, against a pretty good slot receiver in uh what is it coombs from from western michigan um so hopefully more to come there the safeties were an obvious mess for for injuries kendall brooks made a few really good plays i did not expect him speaking of unexpected bingo cards um him being number two behind x and mel tucker confirmed in his press conference today that kendall brooks is next in line behind xavier henderson so it's not 
Mangum's not going to be competing for that spot. I think Mangum's really the backup to Angelo Gross, but we just got yeah. in a really bad situation really quickly. Um, and they had to play a couple drives together, and you could tell we were lacking a little bit of size for that second safety. Um, Angelo Gross got a free ride to uh, to the end zone with the Western's only touchdown run. Um, you could tell we just didn't have the the size to fill the holes. Like you said, we're going to have to find somebody behind Brooks that's not Jaden Mangum, I think. And that's not a, a dig to Jaden Mangum. It's just we're asking him to play a position that's not right for him um, at that box safety. So um, Gross did okay. He missed his angle real bad on that long QB draw. Uh, he came straight downhill. The quarterback barely changed his, his direction and just blew by him, which something we saw last year, Angelo Gross had trouble coming downhill and picking the right angle. So something to keep an eye on this season again, but by and large secondary compared to last season, a big improvement against a bad team. So hopefully they can take that into a stronger competition. Yeah. And last, last notes here before we get to our game ball and, uh, and our play of the game is the specialists, which is a mixed bag because we all know, Bryce Berenger just dropping bombs as always. He is an absolute stud. That first punt of the game, you know, was like 70 yards inside the 10 yard line that it got downed. I mean, he is he is a stud. But I'm very, very, very nervous about the kicking game. Jack Stone, I mean, he he looked very comfortable in the extra points, which is good. There, you know, and I know it's just an extra point. But there is a certain level of comfort that you hope to expect. He drilled them all right down the middle. There was no like shaky, oh, that one just squeaked into the upright or something. But that field goal attempt was worrisome. Uh, He missed that thing by a mile. And maybe that's just, hey, freshman kicker, his first attempt of his career, he got it out of his system. But that did not give me fuzzy feelings moving forward as we kind of get into tougher games, closer games, games that you might need your field goal kicker to hit one or two to come out with a victory. It was his first kick, so we're not going to put a stamp on it, but it was bad. It was a bad kick. Uh, He, his point afters looked great looked perfect but he had that hook on his kickoffs too i don't know how closely you were paying attention to his kickoffs um he kicked a couple touchbacks but real low line drives so i don't know i mean you you certainly want to see more out of your kicker and it is his first game but if you're the starting kicker you're the starting kicker so um yeah i mean the low kickoffs are the low kickoffs are fine as long as they go through the end zone. Right. Because if you get a low kickoff that doesn't make it to the end zone, that does not give your coverage team much time to get downfield. Um, so those are fine as long as you're putting them through the end zone. And we saw one big kickoff return that got called back on a penalty because of that. He dropped it at like the three. It was low. The dude took it back to like the 50 and actually uh, Jack Stone tried to make the tackle. It was... <laughs> It's a pretty bad attempt. He tried to he tried to two-hand horse collar him and still couldn't manage to do that. It was, it was so. a freshman kicker trying to make a tackle. It's a fish <laughs> out of water, man. I've been there. We've all been there. <laughs> uh, I'll take your word for it. But, um, yeah, I mean, you got to see more than that, right? And that's going to remain a question mark uh, going into next week and going into the rest of the season until we see more attempts. At least you can kick the extra points because last season when Coughlin went down, we didn't even necessarily know we had anyone to rely on to do that. But um, Bryce Berenger, I I wrote one note, same old story, bombs. Yeah. Final story for me on special teams. Can we please, can we please not have Jaden Reed return kicks? I'm fine with him returning punts because he is, he is capable of changing a game. When it comes to the punt returns, I mean, he had a really nice one on Friday. We've seen, we saw two touchdowns last year. We saw him win a game for us. Can we get him off the kick return team? I, I mean, I'm like holding my breath halfway through this game because we've already had two guys go down. One of them, you know, we just found out is out for the year. We've already had Reed get banged up a little bit, and we know that he's not at 100%. Can we please get somebody else to return kicks? 
please. I don't care who it is. Just put somebody back. Put the um. They did have uh, bring Jared Brandon Broussard. Howard's back. I don't care. Broussard was back there as well. At so Jaden Reed, maybe it was when he was dinged up, maybe not. Um, Jaden Reed had one return for twenty yards. Broussard had one return for eighteen yards. And Malik Carr, it was just a random up back return, had yeah. one for seven yards. But so. I would love just Broussard. I think he's a great option at kick return. He's shifty and he has enough speed where if he, he gets a seam, he could, you know, take one. Uh, Jaden Reed, like you said, punt return, you got to have him back there just for the potential. Um, but yeah. Um, so what do we want to do first? Do we want to do game ball or play the game? Let's do game ball because I haven't picked my play of the game yet. Okay. I think the game ball is easy. I we already talked about him enough. It's Jacoby Winman. I I can't think of any reason to justify anybody else. He was a menace. Can't we've already said all there is to say. He was a freak. We're instituting a new rule this season that I'm making up right now and haven't told you about that we have to have different players of the different game ball choices and different plays of the game because okay. we get too chummy with it. Okay. So now I'm putting myself on the spot. Yeah, I was going to say you're, you're putting yourself in a bad spot here. <laughs> and I actually don't even have an answer yet uh, for who I'm going to go with. So <laughs> give me who it's between Keon Coleman and Chester Kimbrough. I'm going to go with Coleman because he made more flashy plays, even though I think they both had great games. Breakout game for Coleman. We all hoped we could expect it, um, and it's coming to fruition. From what I saw from Keon Coleman, I think it's going to be really hard to find a corner that can cover him one-on-one in the country, period. Uh, the dude is as athletic as everybody said and terrorized Western Michigan's cornerbacks. So, Game ball to Keon on the offensive side. Um, I expect tons more from him this season. Play the game, Kevin. You first. Ooh, I get to go first again. Um, I I'll go. You know, we'll stay on the Keon Coleman train. I'll go with the the Keon Coleman touchdown because that was that was the moment where everybody was like, "Oh boy." We we've been hearing about it. We've been tweeting about it. We've been hyping it up and it might just be here. That was the the breakout party for Keon Coleman. Twitter exploded. And that was the moment that everybody knew we we have something pretty special in this kid. Um, it was a great play in itself, but it was more for the moment of the the arrival has happened and and him going up and mossing that dude. Um that that was impressive. So I'll go with the Keon Coleman touchdown. All right, I like it. I'm going to go a couple honorable mentions here because it, why not? Uh, first of all, Noah Kim, Kim Sanity, first career attempt through an absolute <laughs> 50 yard duck, and uh, Jaden Reed managed. It was pretty underthrown and got the classic uh, DB running into the wide receiver as the wide receiver tries to fight back to the ball. Got his 15 yards and, and Thorne was back in. So a great debut for Kim. Sanity. I love. I love the philosophy of I got one play. You better believe I'm chucking this into the end zone. <laughs> I love that. Uh, so honorable mention one, honorable mention two, Jeremy Bernard, one catch, one touchdown. And it was a great touchdown. Definitely gives us some excitement for things to come. I think we've mentioned before, Jeremy Bernard could have a similar role this season to what Keon Coleman had last year. Only five snaps uh, last night but made his uh, made his mark and uh, plenty to be excited about for the future there. But you gave your play of the game to my game ball recipient. I'm going to give my play of the game to your game ball recipient. Ooh. My play of the game is Jacoby Winman. One of his sacks, I don't remember which one in order, but where they tried to double him, he had a hand swipe on the left tackle. He had the shoulder dip on the running back. He turned around, sprinted back behind both of those guys to make a shoestring tackle on a scrambling quarterback. Um, it was one of many great plays, but I think it was his best rep of the night and really encompassed everything he did well on Friday night. All right. So there you have it. The game balls go to Keon Coleman and Jacoby Winman. The plays of the game go to Keon Coleman and Jacoby Winman. Um, I guess that's all there is to talk about. Scott, any final parting words here? Any kind of general vibes? Uh, before we sign off and let the people get back to their week. 
Yeah, I think if we play that level of football all year, don't improve, don't get worse, just come out and play that. I think it's like a six to eight win team, which may not sound super exciting, but I think there's plenty of time to get better and to clean things up. So all in all, it wasn't underwhelming. It wasn't overwhelming. It was a good win. We need to improve if we're going to uh, to have a really good Big Ten season. Um, but you got to be happy. Oh, by the way, Peyton Thorne tied Connor Cook for most four touchdown games in MSU history with four. So he does that one more time. He will be the only one ever at Michigan State to have five different games with four passing touchdowns. Wanted to sneak that in. There we go. Uh, my my final thought is again I I there was a lot of negativity out there and I just want to end it on a positive note. If you would have told me before the game, uh, hey, we're gonna cover that point spread, we're gonna win by three plus touchdowns. Keon Coleman's gonna have eighty five yards and a touchdown. He's gonna break out. Jalen Berger is going to have seven and a half yards a carry. He's gonna finish with over a hundred yards. Jacoby Winman is going to become the national defensive player of the week because he had four sacks. Jeremy Bernard's going to come in and have a long touchdown. Um, Peyton Thorne's going to have four touchdown passes, and we're going to say, like, yeah, it wasn't a very good game. Like, if you would have told me all of those things would have been true, I would have just said, okay, sign me up. Like, that sounds like a great, you know, week one. So the... Obviously, the the elephant in the room in that in that positivity is the injuries, and that sucks. I can't I can't you know emphasize that enough. But there were a lot of positives to take away from Friday night, and I I just hope that you know people really recognize that how many things went right that we were hoping would go right. We went through the whole offseason hoping Keon Coleman would break out and hoping that Jalen Berger would be good. And it seems like those are are coming true. So stay positive out there. We covered a three-touchdown spread week one. I, I saw a lot of negativity. I was a little surprised by that. So with that, I hope everybody has slash had a great Memorial or Memorial Day, Labor Day weekend. Um, I'm going to post this basically when we're done here. So if you're listening and it's still Labor Day, um, I hope you enjoy the rest of your Labor Day for the rest of you. Uh, enjoy the week. We will be back uh, to preview the Akron game. We will be back to give you our week two picks and to recap the week one picks over on Run Your Pool. Still time to get in. Um, you're going to be a little bit behind on the leaderboard, but plenty of season to catch up. You can find that link uh, posted all throughout social media. Uh, we've got a bunch of people in there. It's going to be a lot of fun throughout the season. So, Hope everybody enjoyed the weekend. We will talk to you guys soon. Until then, go green. Go white. Take care, folks.